You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets were able to win the series against the Angels this weekend to cap off their West Coast trip 5-5. Five and five. Very happy to be done with 10 o'clock starts. Uh, That is for sure. On the show today, in the first segment, I want to just talk about that trip as a whole, where the Mets stand in this division, considering the fact that the Braves don't seem to lose anymore and the Phillies just had that big winning streak as well. But I want to sort of put some context around where the Mets are and where they could be as this season continues over the final 100 games. In the second segment, we'll talk about the hitting this weekend, how important it is to have Pete Alonso back in the lineup. Then in the final segment... I'll talk about some of the pitching performances we saw this weekend, but really I also want to talk about how the Mets could deploy their great starting pitching depth uh, with guys pitching out of the bullpen once they get Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom back, which could actually happen at some point in the coming weeks. A lot to discuss before we get into any of that, though. I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, before we get into the games and what happened over the weekend, I just want to talk about where this team stands right now coming off the heels of this 10-game West Coast trip. And at times, it felt like there was a lot of fans hitting the panic button over the past week in particular. You have the Braves winning every single day, the Phillies before Sunday on a nine-game winning streak, and the Mets were losing game after game as far as the standings are concerned in their division. The fact that they dropped their series to the Padres, lost the first two games in that series against the Dodgers, had the rough loss on Saturday where Carlos Carrasco got hit really hard against the Angels. You look up through all of it, and as the dust settles, the Mets make it out of this trip with no serious injuries, and they're still five and a half games ahead of the Braves in the division. They are nine games ahead of the Phillies. And you look back to when we were discussing this West Coast trip, and yeah, Five and five is awesome. But prior to that, even I said when they were going into their series against the Phillies and the Nationals heading into this West Coast trip, you you wanted to get as many games as possible against those two teams before you headed out West. And the Mets swept those two series. So if you look at that, they've won 11 of their last 16 games and, and they've been able to maintain this division lead. They're the first team in the National League to 40 wins. How can you be complaining about this team at all? They're 18 games over 500. Last year, I talked about this in recent shows, the New York Mets maybe held that first place lead for you know three months, 90 days, whatever it was, but they never had a division lead larger than five and a half games, and that's where they stand right now against the Braves. And, and I would worry about the Braves for sure. The Braves are going to push the Mets this year, but I would not be too concerned with what we've seen because teams are going to lose, and, and going five and five on a trip like that where – Francisco Lindor opens it by slamming his finger in a door when Pete Alonso and Starling Marte nearly went on the IL. 
this trip could have gone so much worse. So much worse. Could it have been better? Absolutely. And Buck Schultz said that at the game. Could have been better. Could have been worse. It's behind us. I think that this team has shown this year that they're going to be able to take it one game at a time, one series at a time. And with that, their focus should always be in the right place where I don't expect them to have these massive backslides. And what they just did wasn't a massive backslide. It was two teams playing out of their minds. Are the Braves going to continue to reel off wins? Well, granted, they have a couple of easy series coming up against the Nationals and the Cubs. So who knows? Maybe this winning streak continues. And maybe they put together one of the greatest winning streaks in MLB history. They're good enough to do that. So I'm not going to discount the Atlanta Braves. But what I will say is they're also due to start losing. And eventually those two teams are going to play each other in the Phillies and the Braves. I think their series after the next couple, they have one tough one. But you know what it is? After the next couple, they play uh, the Dodgers and the Giants, and then the Phillies get mixed in there at some point as well. So the Braves schedule will get more difficult. And the Mets are going to get some layups soon too. They're going to play the Marlins a lot this month. Um, And anyone who knows me knows that those games uh, terrify me a little bit more as a local South Floridian who has – um, seeing the Marlins crush the Mets uh, in person multiple times, you still feel good about the Mets' chances going into those types of series. And the fact that they've gone 15 and 8 since Max Scherzer went down, and Scherzer is throwing bullpens and appears to be heading towards a rehab assignment maybe as soon as this week, you could have Max Scherzer suddenly completely beat his injury timetable back in this rotation before the All Star break. Jacob DeGrom seems to be in a fairly similar point of his rehab Tyler McGill returned over the weekend. So now suddenly this starting rotations healthy or getting healthier could be healthy soon. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the final segment. You know, I'll, I'll go over some of the pitching performances we saw this weekend and what do the Mets do with all this depth? If the depth ever gets healthy at the same time this season. And then you got the lineup where now Pete Alonzo bruised hand and all is back out there and hitting home runs like he did on Sunday, making an impact in the Mets lineup is so much more dangerous when they have all their guys in there. And right now, knock on wood, they're in good shape on that front as well. So I understand that it's tough as a Mets fan to have complete faith in the team. For for a a team that has a slogan, you got to believe, they make it very hard to do that. But I look at this team, and they just got their 40th win 62 games into the season. They got 100 games left. They go 50 and 50, 90 win ball club. I mean, (laughs) it it does not get any better than that. Um, And last year to get to 40 wins, it took 72 games. These two teams comparing last year to this year are completely different. What we're seeing from this group is is a team that has the fortitude to go the distance to, to win the marathon and I'm looking forward to them uh, getting the chance to prove that throughout this season. But uh, anyone who has been on the, the Phillies and, and Braves bandwagon recently that has been concerned about the Mets standing atop this division, I just wanted to start the show today talking about how you could not be more wrong. Uh, th- this is a Mets team that did what they were supposed to out West, and now they come home um, looking to to win some more series and, and get that, that lead stretched out again in the National League East. But I want to talk a little bit about the offense. Uh, We're going to do that in just a minute here. But our next partner has a product that I use literally every day, and that's Athletic Greens. For a while, I've been looking for a way to get more vitamins and nutrients into my diet, and Athletic Greens has been the perfect way to do that. With one delicious scoop and a cold glass of water in the morning, I am absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, 
whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that help start my day right. This special blend of ingredients supports my gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by pro athletes. It costs less than $3 a day, making it cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's the single best thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So you look at the Mets lineup in this series, and I think they just got a massive boost to have Pete Alonso back. Uh, I, I think that when we saw the Mets get a little bit stagnant offensively in San Diego without him, it really made it clear how much he brings to this team. Just the threat of Pete Alonso in that cleanup spot does so much for the Mets. And when they didn't have it, it just feels like the entire lineup could almost cave in on itself. But where you just don't have that bedrock, the foundation of it. Um, you know what? I, I think when he first got hurt, I had said the most indispensable player on the Mets was Francisco Lindor um, because of the defensive element that he brings along with being a big bat in the middle of the lineup. After watching that team play without him for a couple of days, I'm not so sure it's not Pete as the most indispensable player on this team. He just brings so much to the Mets. Um, and, and we saw in the first game, he didn't do much, but the guys around him did. You had Brandon Nemo and Mark Canna in the one and two holes having multi-hit games. Both of them drove in three runs. That's going to carry you a lot of days. Nemo hit a home run in the game. Canna, a double. Nemo also had a double. Uh, Nemo scored two runs as well as the three RBIs, obviously one of them being his home run, which was an RBI and a run scored. But overall, just a, a solid game by the Mets offense. We're going to talk about the pitching a little bit more in the next segment here. Uh, but you got a good game from Tyler McGill and David Peterson, and they really cruised to a win in that one. Game two was the exact opposite, where instead of the Mets jumping out to the early lead and being able to cruise, it was the other way around. Carlos Carrasco got knocked around. Um, it wasn't a horrible start. I, I mean, he gave up home runs uh, to Mike Trout and uh, and Shohei Otani, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, Otani, I'm in the fifth inning there. So, you know, it, it's tough to face those hitters in particular, and he gave up five runs. He's done such a great job for this Mets team this year. I, I won't uh, knock Carrasco much for that performance, but that really did put the Mets in an early hole. And to their credit, they did score some runs late. I mean, four meaningless ones in the ninth inning, but a Mets team that is still going out and getting their at-bats in, and, and they got a, a double-digit hitting performance as a team. They had 10 hits. Um, and six runs scored, and you see most of the guys in the starting lineup outside of Brandon Nimmo and Jeff McNeil um, got hits in the game. Giorme and Davis both had multi-hit games. We're seeing them get a lot of playing time. So overall, even in a, a blowout loss, this is still a Mets team that doesn't just completely go out quietly. You, you like to see them put up four runs when really most teams – are at the tail end of a West Coast trip. You're losing 11-2. to two. Why even take your at-bat seriously in the ninth inning? But the Mets aren't that team, and I think that's why I have faith in their resolve to, to go through 
the peaks and values of, of this season and find their way atop. And then you go into a must-win game to make your West Coast trip worth it. If you lose um, on Sunday, there's going to be some saying that, hey, it wasn't a good trip. And, and I probably would have been on the other side of things, arguing that, hey, four and six isn't the end of the world. I would have expanded the sample out to the six games they won headed into the trip and, and made the excuses for why the Mets were okay. But you know it's a lot different uh, to go back home off of a series victory instead of two consecutive series losses, something the Mets haven't done this season. So you already break that series loss streak, you know, cut it down in one. They've only lost two series the entire year. So you find a way and, and you get to go home again with, with a good taste in your mouth. And you do exactly what a lot of people said um, they needed to do going in. You go five and five and you look at how they did it. And early on in the game, uh, you know, the angels got a run from Mike Trout RBI single. And, and that was it. I mean, the Mets pitching, Really did win the day. Taiwan Walker, we're going to talk about him in the next segment. Unbelievable stuff um, in this start. The strikeouts finally came, and they came in bunches. But offensively, Starling Marte, RBI double in the third. J.D. Davis starting to maybe uh, turn his season around. Uh, all the expected data tells us that J.D. Davis should be a lot better, that his numbers should be a lot better, and that's starting to bear out. I'm probably going to do a deep dive on J.D. at some point this week. Uh, you all know my gripes about him defensively, but offensively, there is an argument that J.D. Davis is the solution at DH for the remainder of this season. Certainly when it comes to costs as opposed to going outside of the organization or even trying to count on a prospect like a Mark Vientos to fill that role, J.D. does check a lot of the boxes for the mess. He hits the ball hard, and if he can lift a little bit more like we saw in this game and hit some home runs, the Mets are going to be in good shape. And there's some first pitch hitting for J.D., to get that homer in the fourth, that gave the Mets a two-to-one lead. It seemed like that was all they were going to get for a while, but in the seventh, they tacked on a third run. Uh, Pete Alonso got the RBI hit. Starling Marte ends up uh, trying to score on the play or does score on the play, uh, but it was definitely some interesting base running, I would say, uh, uh, an infield hit. Um, you know where where the, the Matt Duffy basically had to lay out to. to keep that ball in play and make the quick throw home. If he makes a good throw, the Mets don't score there, but they were trying to tack on a run. Starling Marte quick enough to just go on, on, on contact and, and make his way around. And the Mets were able to add one there. And then Pete Alonso does what he does late and gives you the extra insurance run hitting his 18th home run of the season. We got to also mention that Edwin Diaz, a, a huge star of the day to win that series, to go out and to, to get five outs all via strikeouts only walked one batter, and it was a big hitter too. I'm trying to remember exactly who he walked. I think he walked Rendon. Yeah, he walked Rendon um, after he got Mike Trout out with the strikeout. So just absolute dominant stuff from Diaz for his 12th save of the season, lowered his ERA to 2.13. And the Mets get a much-needed series victory to, to go home. They now have a day off. The bullpen can reset. Uh, your rotation can now be set up exactly how you want it with McGill now inserted, and you still have – Options with David Peterson still um, on the roster for the time being and available and Carrasco and Walker and Bassett. And like I said, um, the the soon future potentially of having a DeGrom and a Scherzer come back at some point. So this Mets team, I think, is going to get so much more whole as a pitching staff. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute and also go through some of the performances we saw this weekend. But betonline.net is your number one source. For all of your betting stats and sports info, find the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, 
the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports waging information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So in the Mets' first game of the series, we saw Tyler McGill make his return to the mound after biceps tendonitis. Threw the ball pretty well. Did give up two runs, five hits over three and a third. I needed some help from David Peterson to get out of a jam, but he was throwing hard, touched 98, had four strikeouts, looked a little bit more uh, like the version that we saw Tyler McGill in April than the one we saw right before he hit the IL that didn't really seem to have his stuff and was really getting hit hard. So, that was good to see a lot of soft contact from McGill um, after that first inning. And overall, I just just a solid outing from him. And then David Peterson piggybacked it. Went two and two-thirds, allowed three hits, one run, walked one, had three strikeouts. His ERA sits at an even three at this point in the season. I really liked uh, piggybacking there with McGill and Peterson. And I do wonder if there is a place on this team mo- moving forward for David Peterson to maybe fill a similar type role that we've seen from a Trevor Williams. The way he's pitching this year and the way he's pitched coming out of the bullpen in his career, which has been very good, I do wonder if maybe the best place for Peterson is getting outs at the big league level, regardless of the role. Because at the the end of the day, you just want your best pitchers on the roster. And I look at the active roster right now, and you look through the list. You know When when you do bring back uh, Jacob DeGrom, do you want Jake Reed on the roster or do you want David Peterson on the roster? You know, to even a certain extent, as much as I like Chase and Shreve, um, you know, is Peterson a better version of Chase and Shreve as the long man left-handed guy in the pen? I don't know if I necessarily do anything to, to you know, jeopardize having Shreve and at the DFA and all that, but I'm just saying Peterson could find a role with this team out of the bullpen. And if he continues to pitch well in that role, He's going to get more and more opportunities. So I think that there is a world where the Mets maybe lean into their starter depth when they get healthy and and they can go with a six-man rotation. They can piggyback guys. They can have McGill and Peterson pitch on the same day and try to get you length. I kind of wish Peterson was allowed to go deeper in that game on Friday night. I kind of wanted to see him get through the eighth inning maybe. They ended up pulling him early there, you know, after the Mets had gotten through, it was the first six. They didn't even let him go out for the seventh. They wanted to trust their late inning guys. I get it. But to me, I would have liked to see how much deeper he could have gone. You know, Peterson only threw, what was it, 45 pitches um, in those, you know, essentially three innings pitch. I would like to see him get a fourth, maybe a fifth inning. Um, And that could help your bullpen. So the Mets have a lot of ways they can deploy their depth. They also certainly could have a point this season where McGill and Peterson are are tough luck emotions down to Syracuse because that's just how deep this team is. Um, and when you look at Carlos Carrasco, I don't think we have to touch on that start too much. You know, he's been great this year. Rough outing, gave up nine hits, didn't quite have it. Uh, I think we've seen that uh, a lot this year where he either has it or he doesn't. You know, if he, if he's able to to work around the strike zone a little bit and get some swings and misses and, and pick up some strikeouts and get some soft contacts. And if the opposing team gets themselves out a little bit, 
um, you know, due to his guile and the way he's able to mix his pitches and change his speeds and all that stuff, he's going to be really successful. There's other nights where he doesn't have 98 or 99. He doesn't have the most devastating of breakers and, and, and pitches that guys just can't square up at all. So if he has those days where he's not quite as refined at, at you know, hitting his spots and he leaves pitches a little bit more over the plate, he's going to get hit. But for the most part this year, he's given the Mets a chance to win. And there's no doubt in my mind that his place in this rotation is cemented um, for the remainder of the season. And I would not be surprised at all if because of his availability, he ends up being the most valuable pitcher in this Mets rotation by season's end, just based on the starts he's going to make and the effectiveness that he'll have right now. Uh, he's currently leading all Mets uh, starting pitchers when it comes to F4. Last I checked. Then again, Max Scherzer was still pretty close to that, even in his short um, time that he had at the start of the season. So maybe Scherzer, when he comes back, uh, is able to regain that spot atop the F4 leaderboard. But Carrasco will continue to be uh, a valued member of this rotation. The guy that I've been almost questioning, or not almost, absolutely questioning um, throughout the year and, and have even thought, will his spot in the rotation always be secure as Taiwan Walker and boy, did he throw an absolute gem on Sunday. I mean, made me eat my words entirely as far as saying that he's the guy that gets by on smoke and mirrors. Well, <laughs> whatever was happening with those smokes and smoke and mirrors on Sunday, they were resulting in a lot of strikeouts, 10 punch outs for Taiwan Walker. Uh, he gave up six hits, but scattered them only allowed one run, only walked one, uh, six innings pitch. Now it's a 3.08 ERA on the season. It is crazy, though, that after a 10-strikeout performance, he's sitting on 35 strikeouts for the year. So that kind of gets back to um, what I was alluding to when it came to the lack of strikeouts recently. But uh, pitching in the shadows, uh, that splitter was just impossible for the Angels batters to pick up on. And he was able to, to do his job. And I think the one thing that Tom Walker always brings uh, along with you know, the good splitter. It's the fact that he's going to compete. Uh, he's a really good athlete out there, you know, on the mound as we saw him have a great pickoff mood today in a spot that he really needed to get an out um, where he's facing the toughest part of that angels lineup. And he was able to, to you know, pick one off of first. We see the glove out there. We see the fact that for the most part, he's attacking hitters. He's not hurting himself with walks. He is pitching to contact a lot this year, which as I've mentioned, could come back to bite him. But for now, He's been able to continue to, to get outs and, and put up zero. So, um, you know, I, I love being wrong when it's in relation to a Mets player overperforming my expectations. And, and Walker has certainly done that up to this point this season. So I look at where the Mets rotation stands right now. You have the impending return of, of Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom, which now suddenly appears. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say probable, but but certainly very possible that we see both of them before the all-star break. And then you're going to get to a point where you can roll DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, Walker, um, and you'll still have those other options with McGill, Peterson, and Trevor Williams that can factor into your bullpen or just represent some, some extra depth for you um, in AAA. So I think the Mets still have not gotten to the best version of themselves as a team yet. And when you're looking at a ball club that won 40 of their first 62, it's got to feel pretty good to know that there could even be better days ahead. Anyway, on tomorrow's show, I will preview what lies ahead against the Milwaukee Brewers. Also, I might do a deep dive into J.D. Davis, 
uh, considering the way he's performed as of late. Just talk about the offensive numbers and why he could be um, the answer moving forward at the DH spot. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for this edition of Locked on Mets. As always, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts.